Welcome to Dodgers Daily. I'm Casey Porter. I'm so glad that you decided to tune in. Hey, fans, we have a lot to get to. The Freeway Series began last night. Max Muncy, Chris Taylor, they went back-to-back. Clayton Kershaw, he looked really good. Pitched really well and went deep into last night's game. And then Kyle Nevin, very cool moment. He got to play first as his dad was managing for the Angels. There's a lot to get to. In last night's game, we have a couple of games to cover on today's Dodgers Daily. So settle in and join along because we have a great show for you today. But before we get into all that, hey, just a reminder, if you like this video and if you like this kind of content, go ahead and click that like button, leave a comment, tell all your friends about Dodgers Daily, become a subscriber. After you subscribe, go ahead and turn on those notifications. Click that notification bell. That way, every time Dodgers Daily releases a new video, you will be notified. You won't miss a thing. Dodgers Daily can keep growing, and we can keep providing you content like this in the future. Okay, let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it. Let's talk the Freeway Series, and let's talk Dodgers baseball. You were looking at Dustin May, who just the other day, Saturday, he actually got the start. And, you know, he did get touched a little bit. He gave up three on runs. But in my opinion, the takeaway, you know, I've talked about this a couple of times. Actually, I've talked about it several different times. That guys that have had Tommy John that are coming back from Tommy John, it's all about getting the feel back. You can see that pitch right there. He pulled that slider. That happens sometimes with guys coming off of Tommy John, pulled it again, pulled the fastball that time. And really the only way to get that feel back is just to continue to pitch. So although Dustin May did get touched up a little bit, gave up three earned runs, the takeaway is he went 5.2 innings. And the more innings that Dustin May throws, the more innings that Caleb Ferguson throws, the more innings that Noah Syndergaard throws, all these guys coming off of Tommy John, the more they get the feel back and the better the command becomes. So I'm not worried about, well, that's a nasty pitch right there, that slider. I'm not worried about the three runs he gave up. I am excited about the fact that he went, look at that pitch. Wow, that pitch just fell off the table. I'm excited about the fact that he was able to go five and two-thirds innings and stretch that thing out and just continue to get pitch after pitch, you know, on that Tommy John, John arm to get the feel back. So, like I said, the more innings he gets, the better his feel will get for his stuff, which means, you know, the better the feel he gets, the better the command will become. And, you know, he's been good in spring training, 2.95 ERA. The whip has been 1.15. He's had 20 strikeouts and 18.1 innings. His command has been, you know, it's come and gone a little bit in spring training like that right there. But, like I said, that's because, you know, getting the feels back. There's going to be times where it feels better than others. And the more that he throws and gets away from that Tommy John, the better it will feel. And, like I said, the better the command will be. So, all in all, successful spring training for Dustin May. We will see how it goes as the season starts. But I've said it a couple of times from a raw stuff perspective. He has the nastiest stuff of anybody in the system, in my opinion. And whenever he is commanding the strike zone, he is just absolutely dominant. So excited to see what Dustin May will bring to the table this year. Michael Bush had a home run and a double in Saturday's game, and I have said it over and over and over. Of course, you got to see just about everything that Michael Bush has to offer on Saturday. He had a home run and a double. Now he's seven for his last 14 with two home runs, two doubles, four RBIs, three runs scored, and 15 total bases. I'm going to say that again. In his last four games, he has 15 
total bases, which is, you know, he's just a stat stuffer. I mean, he's always on base. He's always, you know, when he gets hits, it's not like he's dinking the ball into left field either, you know. It's not like he's this punching Judy type guy. He does that. He hits home runs. He hits doubles. He does damage. So while he's still going seven for 14, which is 500 over, you know, an extended period of games, He's not just dinking the ball in the left field. He's doing damage at the same time. So you kind of got to see everything that Michael Bush has to offer, especially in the, at the end of spring training. He got really hot. You know, he was seven for his last 14. I've said it a couple times. If you gave him 300 major league at-bats, he would prove to be one of the best hitters in the organization, just like he did in spring training. You know, his batting average ended up, I don't know exactly what it is at this exact moment. It changes every day as they get at bats, but it's somewhere around 300. He finished hot, and then he got to see him make an error on kind of a routine play. That's just kind of the enigma of my of what Michael Bush is. It's, hey, what do you do with him defensively? I'm of the opinion if you put him at second base, I saw him all last year. I saw him at Tulsa in 2021. I've talked to Tom Holliday, who was actually the coach that moved him to second base in the Cape Cod League. You put him at second base, he's going to make the routine plays. Now, I know he made an error in Saturday's game, and it, and it didn't look pretty. There are going to be times where defensively it doesn't look pretty for Michael Bush. But offensively, you know, he is hot and cold when he gets hot. Boy, he gets hits in bunches, no doubt about that. And like I said earlier, not only does he get hits in bunches, he does damage with them. He, you know, their doubles and their home runs and and that kind of thing. So Michael Bush has an unbelievable hit tool. I just, you know, I'm going to say it again one more time at least. The Dodgers need to find a way to get him two to three hundred major league at bats. Boy, how about Andre Jackson? I had a chance to communicate with him. I got a quote from him the other day. He said he's just trying to get that four seam you just saw in those last two pitches and then, uh, you know, in the zone and then play everything off of that and then trying to throw that change up from, from front to back is the way that he puts it, meaning that he's trying to get some tumble on it and get it to be in the strike zone at the front of the zone and then get it to tumble, not necessarily out of the zone, but at least get it to tumble, you know, downward in the zone to the back of the zone. So that's what he likes to call from front to back with his change up, and he pairs that with that really good tight slider type cutterish more looking pitch. You know, it looks more cutterish to me this year, so he can get it in the strike zone. There's that good four seam to the fourth slot the Dodgers like to call it. I know there was a base hit. On that pitch, that cutter back there, I backed up on him just a touch. But, hey, Andre, look at that four seam up in the zone. That's a big difference for him. And just there's that front-to-back changeup. You saw at the front of the zone it was a strike. At the back of the zone it wasn't, and it got swing in the mid, and swing and miss. That's what he means. Boy, there's another good four seam. And, again, his velo's up a little bit into 2021 when I had a chance to talk to him at the Brickdown Ballpark. He was 91-92. You know, he's. I think he's. I, I have not seen his velo. I haven't looked at it, but I think that pitch right there, just based on how the the hitter reacted to it, is a little hotter. There's that cutter right there. That's not quite as big as the slider he's thrown in the past, and that's going to help him stay in the strike zone. And he doesn't need a big sweeping slider type pitch because he already has that front to back changeup that is really, really, really good. And it looks to me like, kind of like Ryan Pepio, he's removed a little bit of fade to that changeup. There's that cutter-looking pitch. Just trying to get weak contact off, but not necessarily a swing and miss. And for Andre Jackson, weak contact is fantastic. And then you hit that four slot with it. So you hit that four slot with that fastball right there. Then you tunnel that little cutter off of it. 
and you know it's maybe three to four to five miles an hour off the fastball then you get the weak contact that you saw on the cutter he threw just a second ago then he put hitters away with that four seam up in the zone and then that you you tunnel that front to back change up off of it it's a great combination it's been good for andre jackson because he's thrown it in the strike zone and he has posted a 1.80 ERA, a whip of just 1.10, an average against of 237, and he has 12 strikeouts and just two walks. And Andre Jackson gonna make the opening day roster and has put, I believe, has put himself in a position, I should say, I should go back and say I believe, but Andre Jackson, no doubt about it, he has put himself in a position to be a major factor this year and I am super pumped about it. I love this young man out of Utah. A lot of people don't realize he didn't pitch a whole lot at Utah. He, you know, in college, he was an outfielder. And then he had the Tommy John surgery, like so many of these. There's that little cutter again that's tunneled off that four-slot fastball. And you saw the weak contact. So Andre Jackson pitching very well in position to be a major factor this year for the Dodgers. Steven Duggar had two singles on Saturday, and they were both off of right-handed curveballs. You know, he... His average doesn't look great in spring training. You know, he's had a, a good look, though. He's had, a, you know, he's played in 19 games. He's had 36 at-bats, but, you know, that's off of Zach Granke, the former Dodger. We remember him, obviously. But look at this, right-handed curveball. And the thing about that is, you know, with all of these guys that hit home runs for the Dodgers, there's that second kind of cutterish-looking breaking ball that Steven Duggar got a hit off of. So two hits on Saturday. Hey, if you... You know, if you're a guy that can hit right-handed breaking balls, especially, and you got a right-handed breaking ball pitcher for the other team, you know, Gary Ward used to tell his players, and, and he's told me before, the former Oklahoma State baseball coach who led Oklahoma State to, I believe it was seven or eight College World Series in a row and three or four actual national championship games, never could break through and quite win one. But he would say, hey, if you can do just one thing on your team better than everybody else, I can find a role for you. doesn't matter if it's running bases. doesn't matter if it's bunting. It doesn't matter if it's defense. Whatever that role may be, you know, whatever that one thing may be, if you can just do one thing better than everybody else in the team, I can find a role for you. So if Steven Duggar can be a guy that, hey, say, you have a right-handed curveball pitching guy and he does that better than everybody else on the Dodgers team, there's a chance that the Dodgers might see that as a niche that they could use and put him in and match him up against right-handed curveballs in a situation to where they, you know, maybe it's a moment to where they've had some injuries and he's up on the 26-man roster and he's actually on, you know, the big club at that moment. That's a role, you know, if, if he can prove he's better than everybody else on the team to do that. And he, like I said, got two hits on Saturday. Maybe that's a niche that, that they carve out for him. So, you know, just kind of wanted to bring that up. So, Steven Duggar, two hits on Saturday. If you go to one of my social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I think even TikTok, you can see the entire bat. We may get through it for Jake Vogel from his at-bat from Saturday, and I wanted to show that because he is one of the, if not the, fastest prospects in the entire Dodgers organization. You can see he's another one of those guys that has a pretty flat path with his hands, which is good for a guy that's fast because, you know, if you just – if you hit a hard ground ball to somebody's right or left, especially the left side of the infield, when, when you can run like Jake Vogel can right there. I love that swing. Look how flat his hands came through the zone. He's able to turn that barrel with the top hand to match the play of the pitch and then run like crazy because Jake Vogel is fast. His, you know, last year, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Right there you see 
he didn't hit, you know, his average wasn't all that great. Only 236, and he got off to a really, really slow start. But he had a good August, and then he slowed back down in September. But this is a guy that was drafted, uh, I believe it was in the third round of the 2020 draft out of the Huntington Beach High School. Yeah, third round, 2020 draft. So the Dodgers are really high on this guy. And anytime, you know, there's a couple of things that you can't coach. Look at that flat bat path and look at that young man run. Jake Bogle can absolutely scoot. And you can't teach speed. I mean, you can make guys a little bit stronger or, you know, a little bit faster. But, you you know, if a guy starts out slow, you're not going to turn him into necessarily a, a real fast guy unless he just matures into a body. His body, you know, gets rid of baby fat and that kind of thing. So, Jake Vogel has a tool that not everybody has that you can't always teach, and that is speed. And so anytime you can run like him and you have a flat path with your hands like he has, you know, the Dodgers aren't going to obsess over the numbers. Again, 236 last year. They're going to look at the raw tools, you know, kind of like a Johnny DeLuca, who if you would have looked at his batting average, say, in June last year, it was hovering around the 200 mark. And I had a chance to talk to Dylan Nashotka right about that time when Johnny DeLuca was hitting about 200. And Dylan point blank said, hey, watch out for this guy. He's getting ready to get hot. And he did. So that's the kind of guy that the Dodgers think they have with Jake Vogel is that, hey, we're not going to obsess about the 236. We're going to look at the speed. We're going to look at the flat hands, you know, coming through the zone that not a lot of guys have. And we think this kid has a lot of potential, and he does. So I wanted to show you this bat from the – Third round 2020 draft pick, Jake Vogel, one of the fastest prospects in the organization. I've said it a couple times now, Max Muncy is healthy, he is motivated, and this young man, I've said this three or four different times now, out of Keller High School, followed him there, and then at Baylor, this guy has always hit, you know, except for his extended, his his period with the A's when, when, you know, I guess he didn't hit as well, I didn't really follow him a lot at that point, but like I said, whenever we did pick him up, Whatever year it was, I was super excited about it because I got to see him at Baylor quite a bit, and that was really cool. So Max Muncy has always been a good hitter since he's been a Dodger. He's been a a really good offensive player. Last year was tough for him because, man, when you're dealing with the type of injury he had, it's tough to get extended on baseballs, which he likes to do like you saw right there, and it really affected his offense. So super excited for what Max Muncy has to offer the club here in 2023 so far he has looked absolutely fantastic he's hitting exactly 300 this home run you're seeing right here was his third home run and so great spring training so far for max muncie and he's looked good at third base and if he can anchor down and play good defense at third base you know that is a big deal because you already have miguel rojas we saw him make we're gonna see here in just a second his web jam and a couple of, you know, he made the nice play on the pop-up that he went back on. Then he circled around a ball to his right that he threw over to Kyle Nevin. You know you're going to get the great defense from Miguel Rojas. You know, and then you have Miguel Vargas at second base, who you figure being a rookie is going to have some lumps. And so you really need Max Muncy to be very anywhere from solid to very good at third base, and he has been that so far. And he's been better than that offensively. So excited about Max Muncy. And excited about what he's going, the type of year he's going to have in 2023. You know, at Virginia, Chris Taylor was actually a shortstop. And then, you know, he actually wrestled growing up. And he was really, really good at it. I believe he won the city championship there. And I think it was Virginia Beach, Virginia. Don't quote me on that. I don't know exact the exact city he grew up in. But he was a 
a great wrestler, so you know he's tough. You know he's a great athlete, and he was a shortstop at Virginia, and he actually had a walk-off while he was a Wahoo there, and a walk-off in the regional finals that actually sent Virginia to the College World Series. His team was actually losing by one run. He drove in two runs with two outs. I believe it was like the bottom of the ninth inning, something like that. Very dramatic. Then we know that they walk off against the Cardinals in the wild card game a couple years ago. So we know he has a propensity, Chris Taylor does, for you know this right here, to be able to hit a home run, and especially in the clutch. And and so, and then we also know he's extremely versatile. You know, he you don't have to put a left fielder on your roster. You don't have to put a shortstop. You don't have to put a you know specifically a third baseman on your roster because Chris Taylor can play all those different roles. So what that does is it allows the Dodgers to, you know, after they have their their nine everyday starters, and then you have Chris Taylor, okay, as far as position players, then you can just literally put – you don't have to get specific on the position of guys you put on your 40-man. You can just literally then put the best players you have, doesn't matter what position – on the 40-man, like an Eddie's Leonard, like a Yorbit Bivos, like a Johnny DeLuca, like an Andy Paez, even if those are guys, you know, like like DeLuca and Paez that are outfielders that are totally crowded, you know, we have a totally crowded outfield, you can still put them on the 40-man because you don't need a guy imminently at the major league level to, to fill an infield spot because Chris Taylor can do that. Whereas if Chris Taylor was only an outfielder, then you would probably have to put another infielder on the 40-man, you know, in case somebody went down and a a guy on the 40-man that could fill in at the major league level like they did in Elliott Soto a couple of years ago and guys like that. So Chris Taylor allows the Dodgers to have, you know, a lot of roster flexibility, especially at the 40-man level, and allows them to put guys like, you know, just their best players. They don't have to be position-specific for that. And Taylor, hey, Maybe he's showing signs of, of, of coming around offensively. He is four for his last 16, which I think Dodgers fans, if he hit, you know, say 20 home runs this year and, you know, four for 16, that would be a 250 average. If he did that, you know, then this one right here, we know. The thing about Chris Taylor is that when he hits the ball, his exit velocities are just massive. I remember at Oklahoma City just hearing the ball come off his bat. It just sounded different. The ball last night was hit 110.7 miles an hour and traveled 409 feet. So, okay, again, Chris Taylor, four for his last 16. So I think Dodgers fans, if you hit 250, which he's done, what, in the last three or four games for the Dodgers, and then he hits, you know, 15 to 20 home runs, I think Dodgers fans would be very happy with that. So hopefully Chris Taylor is, is rounding his offense into form just as the season gets started. All right, web gym time. Here is that web gym from Miguel Rojas. Look at that catch. Wow. And I've said it a couple of times now. Look at that intensity. That's the thing about him. He is an absolute leader. He brings maximum intensity to the dugout. He takes that maximum intensity out onto the field. And, by the way, he is really, really, really good. A couple innings later, he made a play moving to his right, circled around the ball, threw the ball to Kyle Nevin at first base. Let's watch this web gym one more time. So Miguel Rojas brings elite defense. He's been hitting. He got a hit last night, too. So he's been playing good offense. You know, he's a lifetime 260 hitter. It's not like he's been terrible offensively. So he brings... You know, good enough offense. He brings elite defense. He brings leadership skills. Miguel Vargas is going to love playing next to Miguel Rojas. 
And then he brings a maximum amount of intensity, which I think intensity is something that the Dodgers could have used. In the playoffs last year, I think they could have used a guy with that type of intense mentality in the playoffs. So super excited about Miguel Rojas. Boy, how excited were you about Clayton Kershaw's performance last night? He went in to the sixth inning, six scoreless innings, as a matter of fact, in just 74 pitches. Look at that slider. He is featuring that slider, which that slider has been very good for him. He also was throwing his curveball a little bit last night. He threw, oh, probably two or three curveballs, maybe a few more than that, but not that many curveballs, but he did feature his curveball, you know, so he had a four-pitch uh, pitch mix going last night. His fastball was only 90, but that's okay when you're A, left-handed, you know, because left-handed hitters are tough to hit. And then you also, there's that 90-91. He was, you know, 90-91 on his, on, there's that little slider slash curveball type pitch, but he was throwing a slider. There's a slider right there, and he saw his curveball before that. We'll see his curveball here in just a second, I do believe. There's the slider again, going to that back foot of a right-hander. So you kind of, you kind of saw him shape that slider a little more cutterish. Then you saw him, you know, throw it a little more sweeping. So you know, kind of like all these Dodgers. There's that big curveball, 73 miles an hour. He threw a couple of those, and then spotting that fastball at 90-91, and then he throws that little cutter right there type looking pitch to where you know he can keep that in the zone. Then he'll make it a little bit bigger to the back foot of right-handers for the swing and miss. And, boy, I'll tell you what, it was very, very effective last night. As, like I said, he went six scoreless innings in just 74 pitches. And for a guy like Clayton Kershaw, who's a little bit older, that, you know, hey, he's been on the, the, the IL some, not, not as much, I think, as people want to give him credit for. But, you know, a little bit older, you want him to be a little bit more economical you know, then maybe a younger guy. And so 74 pitches, there's that big sweeping slider to the back foot of a right-hander. So 74 pitches in six innings, a big deal for Clayton Kershaw. Rounding in the form for the Dodgers heading into the, there's that big curveball, heading into the regular season. You know, Yinci Almonte and Yinci Almonte and Evan Phillips, they both, between those two, they might have the best sliders in all of the game of baseball. Almonte, you know, his slider last year was just absolutely insane. And if you watch the broadcast last year, there's that little cutterish type slider pitch. It backed up a little bit on him on that pitch. But when then there's that little changeup. So you have that left turn of that slider. Then you have the right turn to that changeup. And it's just a – there's that little cutter again. And there's the changeup. Well, that's actually not a changeup. That's just kind of a two-seam. You know, when he came to the Dodgers, he threw that two-seam that you just saw quite a bit. And then they ditched the two-seam for a while. There's another one right there that has that little bit of fade to it to the right. There's, you know, that changeup at 89. So, you know, he ditched the two-seam, went to the four-seam to pair with that slider last year. There's a two-seam again. And it was really good for him. Oh, I like that pitch because, like I said, that little cutterish. And then you can make it bigger to make it a slider turns left. And then that two seam and the changeup turn right. So as a hitter, by the time that you're actually committing to swing, you don't know whether that ball is going to cut left or cut right. And between his little cutterish type pitch and then that two seam, they're basically, they're fairly close in speed. So you don't have any time to adjust and react. There's a slower type slider type pitch. But, you know, so that two seam, there's that changeup. So, the four-seam, two-seam changeup, and then slider-type, cutterish-type pitch, probably listed as a 
three-pitch pitcher but can make it as many as five. That's why Yancy Almonte is so successful. And then also, not only does he have that right there that he turns that turns right and away from a, a lefty, then there's another one on a changeup. He also has that cutter, like I said, that'll break into the barrel and do sweet contact. So Yancy Almonte, check this out. Okay, last year I talked about all this stuff and Boy, look how he jammed that right-hander with that fade coming back into the right-handed swing. If you'll listen to the broadcast, Tim Neverett mentioned this. Yancy Almonte did not allow a run last year in the regular season after July 4th. How about that? All right, the bazooka, Bruzdar Gratterall. Can he be that closer role? You know, the Dodgers, Daka said that they're going to Kind of do that closer by committee role, which I like because, well, I like that little cutter type slider pitch that he just threw right there. There's Drew Havens. I love that young man. We're going to talk about here in just a minute. Hey, you know, because, you know, I've said this in my last show, but, well, that's a good-looking two-seam type pitch coming back into a righty. But, you know, the three biggest outs of a game aren't always the last three outs. And, you know, I want the Dodgers to have an Evan Phillips type guy. Yancy Almonte, even Bruzdar Gratterall, you know, if he gets it going, we know how explosive he is to get the biggest outs in the game. Doesn't have to be the last three outs. So the closer by committee thing doesn't bother me. Good play by Luke Williams. Throwing that to Kyle Nevin. You just saw Kyle Nevin catch that pitch at first base. Okay, Bruzdar Gratterall was hitting 99 last night on the four seam. He was 87 to 88 on the slider. He was 97 to 98 on the sinker. The two seam that I mentioned, that pitch right there, 97, 98, that's his sinker. And then, you know, there's that slider. So you just got to see every pitch that Bruzdar Gratterall has. There is a 99 mile an hour two seam. There is a 98 mile an hour two seam. One, you know, to the arm side, one to the glove side. The arm side has the run to it. The glove side straightens out just a little bit. So, hey, leave a comment. There's that four seam up in the zone. That's so good. So you see the four seam up in the zone. You see the two seam sinker to the arm side. And then you see it to the glove side. The arm side gets tail to it. The glove side gets a little cut. Then you see the slider pitch. And then the four seam up in the zone at 99. Very good pitch mix. Very good combination for Gratterall. When he's in the zone, he is very tough to hit. So, hey, leave a comment. Do you think Bruzdar Gratterall, would you trust him to get the three biggest outs on a consistent basis for the Dodgers this year. What is your trust level with Bruzdar Gratterall? Go ahead and leave a comment. Let's get let's get to it. Let's talk about it. I've said it a couple of times now, but hey, the more that Drew Avens gets to play in the main field in this case, Dodger Stadium, you're going to see it, you know this more and more, and Dodgers fans will catch on. This young man is a fantastic baseball player. I understand his batting average doesn't look great right now, but he has not had consistent at bats. And for the type of offensive player that Drew Avens is. You saw him the other day in a first and third, just bunt the ball to third base. And, you know, what that does is, is you know, the, the, the first baseman can't crash, you know, because there's a runner on first. And if he does, then, then uh, you know, then the, the runner can just steal. The third baseman can't crash because if you do, then, you know, that guy at third base is going to get a huge jump. So you just bunt it down, you know, usually the first baseline. But in this case, he bunted it down the third baseline. Scored the run from third base. The runner at second base moved up to second in the scoring position. It was a great play. Those are the types of things that Drew Abens brings in offense. He brings great defense every day. Again, he had the 50 game, 53-game hit streak last year, which was the longest hit streak. Not hit streak, excuse me. On base streak. It was the longest on base streak in the last three years in the PCL. He had the 40 stolen bases 
and then he plays great defense like this. He can bunt. He can do all of the small ball type stuff. And then he can also hit, too. And he hits seven home runs, so it's not like he can't hit home runs. So Drew Avens can do a little bit of everything on the baseball field, and I love watching this young man play. Boy, if you can't root for James Altman, you can't root for anybody because, as Tim Everett said in the broadcast, this young man has earned everything that he's gotten. You know, even, you know, as as recently as thir- Thursday morning, he didn't know if he's going to be on the roster, and there was literally nothing else that he could have done to put himself on the roster. You know, since he's become a – you know, even going back to college, he went to Sac State. Reggie Christensen there was the only college coach that gave him a chance. He just went to work, kept getting better. And then when he became a Dodger, you know, he wasn't on any of – I mean, literally none of the Baseball America prospects list when he got drafted. Of course, he did get drafted in the seventh round. Tom Kunis was the scout that found him. And, boy, if you ask James Altman to talk about Tom Kunis, he'll go on and on and on because, like I said, kind of like Reggie in college was the only college coach that gave him a chance. Tom Kunis was that guy. Hey, you only need one that believes in you. Tom Kunis believed in James Altman. He took a chance on him. The Dodgers drafted him. They immediately went to work on his swing. And look at what we have now, a young man who has just absolutely earned his way up through the ranks. He has done it the right way. He's done it the old school way. Actually, I don't like to say there's an old school or new school. I like to say there's a right school. He's he's gone to the right school. He's done it the right way, and he has earned his way onto the 26-man roster to start this season. He's hitting uh, hitting 295 in spring training. His OPS is 910, and he has 10 RBIs. Okay, and... Here's the deal. The Dodgers are going to be facing Zach Gallon for the D-backs in the first game. So James Altman likely will be the starter against that righty, and that is very, very exciting. And the thing about a prospect like him, I said it on the last podcast or one of the last podcasts, that you don't bring a guy up to sit on the bench like this. You want a guy like James Altman, a Michael Bush, Miguel Vargas. Those guys need to be getting at-bats every night. So you figure James Altman is being brought up to play Zach Gallon will be the opening day starter against the Dodgers. Right-hander, so you figure James Altman will get to start in the first game of the season for the Dodgers. How exciting is that? Hey, Dodgers fans, another question for you. Are you becoming convinced that Shelby Miller might be turning a corner? Boy, look at that split change that he throws. That is just a wicked, wicked pitch. Has that tumble and fade to it. But, hey, leave a comment. Let me know. Are you, are you starting to become convinced that Shelby Miller – will help this Dodgers club. We know he was the the first-round draft pick by the Dodgers several – excuse me, by the Cardinals several years ago. You know, he's always had the big four seam, the split change to him, and that little cutterist slash tight, uh, slider type pitch. Are you convinced that Shelby Miller can help this club this year for the Dodgers? You know, the Dodgers picked him up in the offseason, and he's thrown four scoreless outings in a row. He's had a couple of outings where things went a little bit sideways on him, but other than that, he's been good. And check this out. Boy, there's that split change. That's a good, good pitch. Okay, there's another split change. Look at that thing tumble. So he had a little bit of fade to it, the pitch before, and there's that cutterish slap slash tight uh, slider pitch. So the split change, the slider, then the four scene that you saw right there. Great combination. Okay, nine strikeouts, no walks in spring training. And so, you know, like I said, his, he's been very good in terms of you know, keeping the ball in the zone enough, at least not to walk guys. 
and explosive enough to get swing and miss. And like I said, he's had four scoreless outings in a row after having a couple of rough outings early in spring training. So again, I'm going to ask you, leave a comment. Do you think, are you excited about Shelby Miller? And do you think that he's going to help the Dodgers this year? And what kind of impact do you think he'll have? Okay, very cool moment last night. Of course, I got to see Kyle Nevin quite a bit at Baylor, being an Oklahoma State guy. They're in the same conference. Got to see him in Stillwater. Got to see him at the Bricktown Ballpark several different times when the Big 12 tournament was there. Of course, it's moved to Dallas since. But, hey, Kyle Nevin, I'm a big fan of him. He's tall and lanky. He's athletic. He's very, very athletic. He can play both the infield and the outfield. You know, if you go to my Bubba Aline conversation interview we had, Bubba will tell him, you know, Baylor and Maryland played each other. Bubba was at Maryland, and Kyle Nevin actually robbed a home run in that series. And that was the first time that Bubba watched this play by Kyle. Nice little dig right here. Made it look easy. And so that was the first time Bubba had ever seen Kyle Nevin play. Now they were teammates actually last year on Rancho, so that was kind of a cool little anecdote that Bubba Aline gave when he was talking with me on one of the interviews. Look at that nice little play. Long and rangy, very comfortable around the bag. Kyle Nevin. And then on the right, that's his dad right there, Phil Nevin. So Phil Nevin was managing while his son Kyle Nevin was playing about 30 feet away from him at first base. You know, so that had to be really, really, really cool for both of those people. You had to think that Kyle Nevin, or excuse me, Phil Nevin was probably a little bit nervous watching his son on the at Dodgers Stadium in the freeway series with Clayton Kershaw on the bump and all these stars out there. There's Phil Nevin again with his son playing first base, talking to Shohei Otani with his first with his son playing first base about 30 feet away from him. So that was a really cool moment. I wanted to show you that. And it also gave me a chance to show you one of the 2022 draft picks, Kyle Nevin, who is another one of those versatile, long, lanky, you know, one of those guys that's very athletic and very versatile. So there you have it. There's our show for you today. Hey, another couple of questions. Leave a comment, if you will. Let's get a conversation going about Dodgers baseball. Again, the questions I asked, hey, what type of year do you think Max Muncy's going to have. Do you think Shelby Miller's going to make an impact? How many innings do you think Clayton Kershaw is going to throw? You know, is that bullpen, is it going to be dominant? Again, do you think Dustin May, is he going to be as dominant as I think he has a chance to be with all that nasty stuff he has? Okay, so those are some questions we posed today. Again, leave a comment. Let's get a conversation going about Dodgers baseball. I could talk Dodgers baseball all day. Okay, before we get out of here, just one more reminder. If you like this video and if you like this kind of content, go ahead and click that like button. Leave a comment. Tell all your friends about Dodgers Daily. Become a subscriber. Have all your friends become subscribers. And then once you subscribe, click that notification bell. You know, turn on your notifications. That way, every time Dodgers Daily releases a new video, you will get notified. You won't miss a thing from Dodgers Daily. We can keep growing and we can keep providing you content like this in the future. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in and say go Dodgers.